Welcome to episode 11 of the All Things Local podcast. On this episode, I speak with Michelle Donahoe, Executive Director of the DeKalb County History Center. She shares her journey as a public history student, as a volunteer, and now leading an organization that reaches across the county, preserving and sharing our county's history. During this pandemic, the History Center reminds us all that history happens every day and encourages residents to share their stories, to document what's going on in the world around them for future generations. I want to remind everyone that Give to Kelp County is May 7th and encourage you to make any size donation to any of the over 100 participating nonprofits. This is a critical time for nonprofits as programs and fundraising events have been canceled, while many of them are seeing increased demand for their services. Share what you can and support Give to Kelp County on May 7th. On behalf of these organizations and the people they serve, thank you. Enjoy this podcast episode and stay well. Welcome to our podcast, All Things Local, a monthly podcast about issues and ideas in our local communities from the people who research and serve them, brought to you by the School of Public and Global Affairs at Northern Illinois University. I'm your host, Dr. Alicia Shadiman, Associate Professor here at NIU. We'll hear from researchers and public service workers in government and nonprofit organizations across communities about topics and issues affecting our towns, villages, cities, and neighborhoods. So my name is Michelle Donahoe. I am currently the Executive Director of the DeKalb County History Center. And while I've been in that position since it started in March of 2018, that organization started from the Sycamore History Museum, which I started at in 2005. So I've been around here for a while. Um, It's been a nice position as I was part-time for the Sycamore History Museum, and that was a good fit for me in my life at that point and has now evolved to a full-time position and a new beautiful building with the DeKalb County History Center. Um, as far as how, like my previous experiences, I guess I'm kind of one of those oddities these days. I was a history major in college. I went to graduate school, have my master's in public history from Loyola, and I stayed in the field for the whole time. So uh, I, I love what I do, and um, I've been able to find different positions, uh, both big institutions and small institutions uh, I've worked at. I've been at the Art Institute and I've been at the Newberry Library, but more recently it's been at smaller organizations where I get to do a little bit of everything. So that's, I guess what I enjoy, you know, never, two days are never the same. So do you remember what your first paid job was and do you take anything away from that experience? In, I was my senior year of college. I wasn't, I didn't have any classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And my dad's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, you should volunteer here. So that's, I volunteered at the Newberry library working on an exhibit. And it was at that point, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I could do this and get paid. Well, while I was there, they had a position that opened and I, the person came down and like, can you do your interview right now? And it was my first interview as, you know, po- you know, at, for after college for a real job, and I had been helping work on the exhibit, and I was in jeans and a t-shirt, and I was horrified. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so thankfully, my supervisor, like, you know, she's really busy right now. Um, why don't we plan it first thing when she comes in next? And next time, that was going to be like two days later. And um, so from there, I worked in their special collections department, and it was just fascinating. I got to re- meet really interesting people, see um, just different research projects. And from there, I 
even though I went to Loyola, I didn't know they had a public history program. So I then was looking at graduate school. So I worked at the Newberry for a full year and then um, full time and then started taking those classes part time. And then the next year had an assistantship. So um, I then I worked at the Newberry part time. But that really was my introduction to the public history field and um, opened up a, a lot of different opportunities I had never really thought of. And then from there, um, I got a position with the Art Institute working on, um, it was a grant-funded position part-time, but it was really cool. I worked with Chicago Public Schools that had WPA murals in them. So one of them was Lane Tech, and just like down their main hallways, they had these gorgeous murals from the 1933 Chicago World's Fair. And so we were just trying to incorporate these um, wonderful images and their stories into the curriculum. And then from there, I went to smaller places, but full-time. So that was kind of the, the evolution of my career <laughs> for a while. I was talking to our capstone students, our graduating uh, seniors this morning, and I said, you know, don't overlook becoming a volunteer somewhere that you might want to work one day or might want to work in that field one day because it can sometimes turn into positions. So I'm glad that was your experience, too. <laughs> that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that's um, one thing that I always try and tell our interns, especially in the nonprofit field kind of have to put your dues in that if you are going to be a heavily an organization that's heavily involved and or heavily supported by volunteers you need to show that you have also volunteered it doesn't have to be at that institution but to show that you have that that commitment and understanding of why someone volunteers um, because you're not paying for them it's, it's a lot harder to get fired if you're a bad volunteer but you know, you have to put in your dues and to show that commitment and to understand, again, that they really help. They're the backbone of non most nonprofits. You know, the podcast I named All Things Local because I think no matter what's going on in the world, it always impacts the local community and the local response, and the local condition. And that's that's kind of where a lot of stuff happens, <laughs> um, which is interesting during this crisis, for sure. Um, but in terms of your your kind of commitment to that local history, what intrigues you the most about the mission of the History Center and how that ties into the local communities where you work? We spend a lot of time thinking about our new mission. So many different history organizations are to collect and preserve and interpret, which is what they do. But we really wanted to have people go, huh, or why, um, when they heard our mission. So it's inspiring curiosity in DeKalb County's history. And really one of our goals is when people learn something, they're like, well, tell me more. I want to, you know, so they want to keep that, that curiosity going. And with what we've been able to do in working with all the different history groups throughout DeKalb County, um, I, there's so much more information out there all the time. So we've had a lot of fun with this. Um, as I said, there's 20 different history groups, there's 20 different communities, and although we have a lot in common, they all, you know, we all have our own unique stories. So there's always more to learn, and uh, I don't pretend to know it all. Um, I think we're learning things every day and especially right now being you know creating history <laughs> um, is a little bit easier for people to kind of understand that that history isn't just stuff from 100 years ago we're making history every day and every it seems like every five minutes these days <laughs> right yeah and I think that's one of the things that intrigued me to to talk to you is um, the things that you're doing how is the history center adapted to this new reality of the pandemic um, both sheltering in place and social distancing. How have you guys been able to pivot and still work towards fulfilling that mission? 
Yeah, um, it, it's been an adjustment, that's for sure. Um, we were fortunate in that we had some things already in place with technology and you know, that's something that we had been committed to is making more of our resources available online. So right now for parents and teachers, we have uh, lesson plans from first grade through eighth grade that have primary sources and questions and, you know, meet with the curriculum standards. So, you know, that's been a little bit more timely than usual right now. Uh, we have online exhibits. So that's kind of with people that are looking for things to do and want to learn, you know, learn more, we have past exhibits that you can just go click on. Um, some of them are from the old Sycamore History Museum. Uh, we have one of General Dutton, and that talks about the, his role in the Civil War and his life after the Civil War. He was in the, his 20s, so he had and lived a full life afterwards. And then we have one story called, uh, or exhibit called Adventures to and from Sycamore. And then we have our past exhibit, uh, Crossroads Change in Rural America. So it's, um, if you missed those exhibits, it's a great opportunity to come and go check those out. Um, but then we also have a lot of our databases. So um, if people have research projects that they've been kind of putting off and haven't had time to tackle, we have a lot of databases online. And especially for genealogists, uh, we um, the Joiner History Room is part of the History Center. And they have, I think, over 30,000 obituaries available online for people to use. So in that respect, we really um, have had those materials ready to go. But on the other hand, we've also taken this opportunity to reach out. Um, we just had a conversation with Kathy Countryman, the superintendent of Sycamore Schools, about working with teachers to document what's going on right now. Um, obviously, you know, we know what's going on um, nationally and statewide, but our challenge and my job as a historian is to help people document what they're experiencing at this really local level. And we put a press release out, it was in the midweek today, so that was nice to see. Um, and we even set up a special uh, email address, uh, mystoriescovid19 at dekelbcountyhistory.org. And I don't need it to be like, or expect it to be uh, traditional just journaling. That's perfectly fine but if you're an artist create a picture if you're a musician write a song if you're a poet write a poem if you're a photographer take pictures and it's not something either that you can do just once and say okay i'm done i mean our experiences a lot two weeks ago were a lot different than that they are today and who knows what they'll be come june and july and august and so many of us are trying to figure out how do we plan for the future right now we can't like even if we've been given the all clear how many people are going to really want to get together in a close space right <laughs> um so i think that's um what's been really where we can show our relevance and that's always again an important word for history groups is you have to show your relevance it's a little bit easier these days again because people understand that this is not happened in anyone's lifetime yeah it happened with the spanish flu there's a lot of similarities but there's a whole lot of differences too um so anyway it's just is kind of where i see we can come to the and offer something to people to say here you know what help be part of this larger story and help us document um, what your experiences are and not just you know as an adult these are perspectives from children from high school seniors from grocery store workers to first responders i mean there's so many people and this is affecting everybody i mean there's not anyone here um, that you can really say that no my life hasn't changed at all 
Right. Yeah, I can see you when you're putting together these exhibits, you know, 20 or 40 years from now and you're pulling out the contributions from school kids today or, you know, doctors or that it's going to be really cool um, if you're able to, to document all this, these things. So are you collecting that in digital form too? And how do you then archive digital materials? <laughs> right, because when this is going to be used, the formats we're doing right using yeah. right now won't be around anymore. Right. Um, so right now, what we've received are photographs and stories. So what we'll do is, um, again, depending on the volume, um, we can certainly you know store them um, and and print them out if we need to, um, or you know just watch for that change in technology that we have these available. It's nice because sure like everyone else's emails exploded I have this all together in one specific email mm -hmm. <laughs> so I can just track them all that way um, but we've also in having uh, the conversations with uh, Kathy Countryman who graciously offered to um, work with the other superintendents throughout the school district is um, I know that the art classes are doing they're creating you know objects to represent what the students are going through right now so I would love to be able to have one of those pieces donated to the History Center um, I have two boys in high school and they got an email yesterday for the yearbook asking them, they want, they're doing a survey. You know, if, if you're an athlete, are you keeping in shape? Are you, you know, what are you doing to keep in shape? Or are you not doing anything at all? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, which I had, I, well, I won't call anyone out, but uh, <laughs> um, it was just, I'm like, I, I want, um, you, you know, again, those perspectives from teenagers. I mean, that's not something that we have a lot of in our collection right now. Right, and they, uh, I mean, this is directly impacting them, and you know, they're really social people. Hanging out with their family is not a high priority right now. So. <laughs> Begrudgingly, that's about it. You know, we haven't gotten, we've got a few responses, but um, you know, I, I would love to be able to to work with people and see how we can document with the people that have already responded. My, you know, please keep in touch and send me something else in a couple more weeks and see how you're doing. I got a note from a woman who was pregnant and she said, you know, this has been, um, it was, it, it wasn't what she had anticipated and how she was going to be going to the hospital and celebrating and having maternity photos and uh, baby showers, like all that's been canceled. And she's like, obviously the most important thing is having a healthy baby, but you just get excited and have this vision and, and right. you know, your heart just goes out to everybody. Yeah. So, um, Again, it's all these individual stories that I think get people excited about their local history. And I tried to go through it. Again, it was remotely, so I was left with local newspapers. But there wasn't a whole lot in the, the Sycamore True Republican or the DeKalb Chronicle about, um, I don't think I had access to the DeKalb papers online, but um, about what was going on during the Spanish flu. So there were a few things. Mostly it was promotional about antidotes. <laughs> right. Elixirs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to sell you something that's not proven effective yet, but it'll give you hope. <laughs> right, right, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, you mentioned um, working with other organizations across the county, and many of them, I'm guessing, are pretty small um, and probably rely on volunteers. So what are you hearing in the other communities or even in your own communities uh, about volunteers, and how do you think that's been impacted or, or will be impacted kind of going forward after this crisis. We closed to the public, um, I think a little earlier than everyone else, um, just because of the age of our volunteers, that um, of that concern. And even for programming, you know, my, my audience 
tend during the school year tends to be skewed towards older adults and I don't know what that transition is going to be like if they are going to want to come for a brown bag lunch right away. Um, so we already canceled yeah. our May one. Um, we were supposed to do that at the Egyptian. And it's like, why put all the time and energy into something that I, I don't think anyone's going to come to? We can do it later. Um, where we work most of the time right now, everyone's pretty spread out. So I think in that respect, our regulars will keep coming in. But, um, yeah, I, some people are um, – <laughs> they keep me laughing because I like, you know, it's like, well, can I come in? Because, you know, there's nobody else there. I'm like, no, <laughs> we're supposed to shelter <laughs> in place. Um, and, right. I, you know, I appreciate their dedication and their uh, um, desire to continue working and being productive. But, you know, it's also like, no, this is hard. But if we do it right for short term, then we'll be better long term. Um, as far as other organizations, I know people are trying to promote as much online as they can, but that really falls on the shoulders of a few people versus a lot. And um, so I, we're still all trying to figure this out. I think if there's anything we can do from home, I know there are some people that are working on still collecting the obituaries and adding that to the database. So that's kind of a project that you can pretty easily do at home. And um, so we're trying to be creative to keep them engaged. Um, but it's a little bit harder when I can't get into work and then send them stuff. You know, I'm still doing all this from home myself. Right. Yeah. Do you think it'll it'll change any of the technology access or interest in technology kind of going forward after this? Will be more more people be excited about, you know, moving more things online because of this? I would not be surprised. I think they're even um, as an organization that like, you know, what this is going to this is really important. You know, um, we need to push out and get as much available online as we can. Absolutely. Um, I. I would agree 100%. Um, is there anything our listeners might be surprised about when it comes to the work of the History Center that they might not see or know about the things that you do? Or One is just on how, I don't want to say meetings, but how many people I work with on a regular basis. That's one thing that with my position has really evolved. I mean, my background has been at museum education. And so for many years, my my day was working with kids and teachers and now being an executive director, I have to, it's building relationships. So I have gotten to know DeKalb County pretty well. I mean, I go down and have meetings in sandwich at the, with the director of the library and the director of the historical society and, and Hinckley and Kirkland. And, you know, if I want to build these relationships, I have to be able to, to travel too and not just expect people to come up to Sycamore and, we're also trying to reach out to different audiences. And again, that takes um, a lot of patience. We've really, um, I've gotten to know someone with Parent University pretty well. And so we check in with each other, you know, every week or two. And, you know, someone that thinks of the DeKalb County History Center, that might not be on their radar, maybe not working with all the libraries. And, um, you know, that was with our next exhibit is uh, the history of DeKalb County and 100 objects. And we have plans, we don't know when they'll start, but to, to work with the libraries throughout the county to do a show and tell. And they have, most of them have the space and, you know, good old fashioned show and tell. It's not like you have to pay speakers to come in and people love telling stories. And that's what this exhibit's about is just different stories connected to objects. And that's exactly what a show and tell is. So we thought it'd be a nice way to bring in different ages and get some fun stories and do some simple programming. And they were all really excited about it. So again, but it was 
making that initial contact of having that conversation with someone face to face and not just sending out an email. I mean, we get so many emails and they're not going to get read, but between myself and one of our board members, Carol Meeks, she went on the road and was had lots of conversations with people. And so I think it's just all those different um, people that you wouldn't necessarily say are connected to history that, um, you know, I'm trying to get to know as, as well as with other nonprofits. Um, you know, some of my, my good nonprofit friends would not describe themselves necessarily as a history buff, but that's okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that kind of leads into that. The next question was, you know, for a history center, what other units of government are you working with? You mentioned libraries already. Um, what are the units of government do you work with on a regular basis? Are there any projects other than the, the library one that you mentioned that you're currently working on and, and are what makes those challenging what makes those partnerships challenging and and uh, maybe rewarding? Yeah, so that we do have a relationship with the DeKalb County government and um, they've been very supportive of what we're doing and there are several people that are going to be retiring here in the near future. So we're working with them to do an oral history and capture those stories because it's just amazing institutional history that they have that's not written anywhere. And um, so we're trying to gather that. And then um, also at the township level, again, that county-wide mission that we have is that there are some much smaller parts of the community or the county than there are compared to Sycamore and DeKalb. And so we want to, their stories are just as important. So we have Rob Glover, who has been researching the different history of the townships and is then going to try and gather information from, you know, a lot, there'll be a lot of similarities again, but there will be those unique different stories. I'm like, huh, that's not how everybody else did it. Or looking at down at the southern part of the county, again, you have Salmonock, which was originally one township, and then it was cut in half and you have sandwich and stomach so they have you know that unique little twist on on their local history um it's working with um you know with local government um and especially right now history is not a super high priority and i totally get that and respect it so you know it's just trying to find that balance of yes we want to do these projects and and finding that right time and um in in with their schedule so again they've been really supportive but right now <laughs> Those projects are a little on the back burner. Mm -hmm. Why would a unit of government, any unit of government, and I'm sure this happens, but can you give an example where a unit of government reaches out to you for assistance? How have you assisted them in their needs? Yeah, so um, one example is um, Jennifer Jeep Johnson with um, the DeKalb Township. Um, they are, and I believe most of the townships in DeKalb County are responsible for their cemeteries or have taken over that responsibility. And she has, um, I mean, there's headstones that are with falling apart. And I think, I believe she's worked with um, Sue Breeze on numerous occasions to try to just get to understand the history of the cemetery and the names of some of the people that were buried there and, um, you know, restoring some of those headstones and working out those details. So that's certainly a resource that we have. Um, and collecting those early histories, um, you know, if something comes up and, well, I don't know why we've always done that. Um, some, some places have access to those minutes, some places don't for a variety of reasons, but we do have some of the early records um, in our um, our archives as well. So that's just one example that I can think of with, with those cemetery records and um, working with her on that project. 
Yeah, do you guys get involved in any kinds of um, economic development kind of inquiries? I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just asking because sometimes I, yeah. when I, you know, that what what used to be there. I wonder what that building was or that just development kinds of questions. Do you get involved in any of that? We do get inquiries with that, absolutely, um, both from, you know, people that are buying homes to real estate agents to um, we um, – for example, when there was an addition being put onto the courthouse, someone wanted to see as much information as we had about the building of the old courthouse to make the new courthouse look, um, you know, it, it be consistent um, sure. with their proposal. So they were going through all of those records. Yeah. So, um, you know, not every architect was that was their philosophy, but one did come and asked for all, for all of those records. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting seeing additions to buildings. There's two real different um, philosophies. One is you try and make it seamless so people can't tell what is old and what was new. And then there's the other of, no, you have to respect the original and you want the the new to look completely different. So like the Louvre is an example of that. Like mm -hmm. the new part, really different. <laughs> and then you look at, um, you know, the, the courthouse, you know, and the Sycamore Public Library, like those, and, and so many churches. You know, it's hard to tell unless you know that there was an addition put on to it. So um, that's another area. Like those historic pictures um, really are helpful for that too. Very cool. Um, you you might have touched on it a little bit, but when you think about and because you mentioned your goal was always to stay in you know in public history, so that was pretty clear. Probably museums, but in terms of you becoming executive director, is this something that you had aspired to? I I teach nonprofit students all the time, and um, <laughs> they might not know where they are going to end up. But was that something that was on your radar or how did that become on your radar that you were going to move into more of an administrative role, still keeping your, you know, your, your foot in the public history, but to move into that administrative role, was that an aspiration early on or did that occur over time? Um, yes and no. Um, I love museum education and that was really my, my focus. And I think even as an executive director, working with people to get them connected to and excited about where they live and how having that historical understanding can then make their community a better place is just part of who I am. I did have an old boss and he um, <laughs> was going through a capital campaign and just like, you know, when this is all done, I just want to be an archivist. And I looked at him and I mean, I was in my 20s and like, you can't be. <laughs> you came from being executive director down to be an architect. <laughs> and obviously it's more complicated than that. But then he looked at me and then he looked really sad. Like, you know, you're right. I can't do this and then still be able to devote 40 hours a week to organizing, you know, and, and collecting and, um, you know, preserving archival materials and still run this now larger organization where I have to do fundraising and all those other parts. So um, I think one of the reasons that I've enjoyed being in a smaller organization is I still get, you know, it has its pros and cons, but I still get to wear many hats. So I still on occasion, not as much as I used to, but I still get to give walking tours to second graders. I still get to help out with the Oscar kids during the summer. So I still get I have that closer connection, whereas with a larger organization, I probably wouldn't have that opportunity. Um, and then I also have to go and meet with donors, and I have to do 
talk about marketing plans and come up with tech, you know a vision for technology and talk about membership drives and and all that stuff. So I guess I would have. I think long term, yeah, I would like like to see the position evolve. I don't know if that would have been, the, you know, I, you know, when I'm just out of graduate school, like, no, I want to be the education director of a department versus an executive director. Um, but I think what I have now is a good fit. It's um, it's a small group. I've got amazing volunteers that I can trust and delegate to do what needs to be done and and have it done correctly. And so I can go out and do that fundraising so we can keep doing what we all enjoy doing. <laughs> That's awesome, Michelle. Well, we're always looking for volunteers. So if you're interested, you know, it's one thing I often, often say to my, you know, college and high school level volunteers um, and interns too, is at this point in your life, it's just as important to find out what you like as you don't like, because sometimes you just like, ah, this is what I want to do. And then it's not that vision. So this is, I don't take it personally if, you know, when we spend this time together and I give them projects and we keep checking in with each other and I, you know, I don't say, do you love this? But is this what you thought it was going to be? And it's not always that. And that's, that's really important because you have to narrow down what your your passions are and where you want to go and what directions you want to take. And so put yourself out there and try things. Even if you don't think they're a good fit for who you are right now, try different things out and then you'll really know, wow, that's not what I thought it was going to be. Because that happens quite a bit when people come in, they're like, I had no idea all this stuff went on at the History Center. And this is a lot more interesting than I ever thought. So put yourself out there, try different things. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a three-year commitment. You can go in and volunteer, <laughs> you know, a couple, you know, times and then keep going if you want. But be honest with the person, say, you know, this isn't what I thought. It's not a really good fit, but thank you so much for that opportunity. Right. I don't know if you have your um, organization has been if, uh, on a fundraising side has been affected a lot, but um, in terms of this particular crisis, are the things you guys have had to do right away and then leading up to give to Kelb County, which is still going on. Um, so anything you want to remark about that? Yeah, so with Give to Kelp County, we didn't have a spring fundraiser scheduled, so we were fortunate in that respect. Um, we did have our exhibit opening. It was supposed to be April 25th, so who knows when that's going to happen. So that's we've had to adjust with that, and that was um, – we usually had an exhibit booklet with sponsorships and things. So that's, again, been put on hold. It's not necessarily a wash, but um, it's – we'll see. It's wait and see. But – it's all hands on deck right now for Give to Kelp County. It's the first time we're going to do peer-to-peer -peer fundraising with our board, so we'll see how that goes. But one thing that I, one message I really am pushing this year too is five dollars. You know, it every bit counts. And if you wish you could give more and you can't, but you really want to support the History Center, let three three of your friends know. And they will probably support even if they don't live in DeKalb County because it's an organization that's important to you. So by reaching, you know, three new donors, that would be phenomenal. So any little bit will make an impact this year, that's for sure. Great. Thank you, Michelle, for coming on our podcast. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of All Things Local, a monthly podcast brought to you from the School of Public and Global Affairs at Northern Illinois University. I'm Dr. Alicia Shadman. Join me next time to discuss issues and ideas facing our local communities. To learn more about our faculty and programs here at NIU, go to niu.edu backslash SPGA.